I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets. I am recording on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Who is she? Who is she? I have a very special episode for you guys today. I brought back a guest that received so much positive feedback and so many follow-up questions that I felt like I needed to bring her back and... That guest is my big sister, Melissa. We sat down yesterday, had a great conversation about child rearing from an intuitive eating perspective and trying to navigate all the issues that come about when you're serving kids food and trying to make them eat and trying to make sure they're nourished, but also not passing on your food insecurities or your preconceived notions about food onto them because for so many of us, that's exactly how it went down. I know that I inherited a lot of my anxieties around food from my parents who probably inherited it from their parents. And we do these things without even knowing it. And we talk about that in this conversation. We talk about how An important part of being a parent is accepting that you can make mistakes. You are not infallible. And to own up to those mistakes and to try your very best to be mindful of them as they happen. Now, this is kind of a disclaimer or maybe more of a public service announcement, but I do not have any kids. If you listen to the show, you probably know very well that I don't have any kids. But I want to have a kid someday. And a big concern of mine, honestly, for a long time was that I would pass on my issues around food to my child. And how could I make sure that they have a healthy relationship with food? Because it's so important to me to make sure that they avoid that pain and don't have to deal with any of it because it's such bullshit. It's stuff that I had to unlearn in my 20s. And I don't want them it, he, she, to ever go through that. And I'm going to share this with you and then get into the conversation in a few, but I have this random memory. I think it was probably from when I was in middle school. That's where all the traumatic memories that imprint on our brain come from, it seems. Middle school is just not It's not a poppin' time for really anybody, but middle school was when I personally went through a lot of big changes. I moved towns. I had to leave all my friends, start at a new school. My mom got remarried. Uh, I had new step-siblings, a new house, new town, in addition to a lot of other big changes that happened. And on top of going through puberty and growing into myself or hoping that I would grow into myself a little more. You know, it it was a complicated time. And I remember being at a family friend's house for a barbecue. And there were a lot of people there who, you know, we would see each other occasionally because they were friends of my family friends, but only at these summer barbecues or little reunions or holidays. And my mom and I ran into 
this woman who, again, I had met her a few times, very lovely person, um, always very warm. And I, I always really liked her, but it's crazy. Something she said about her baby daughter resonated with me so much that I still remember it to this day. And I am certain this woman never thinks about me, probably has forgotten that I exist. I haven't seen her in so long, but this particular thing stayed with me. She was either pregnant or had just given birth and she had a baby already and she had a little girl and I don't know how exactly it came up, but I remember her saying in reference to, you know, all the hopes that she had for her daughter and how she was trying to raise her daughter. And and again, I don't know how this came up, but I remember she said, I've always had to battle my weight and I hope that she doesn't have that. And it always stayed with me. And for a long time, I had the same thinking around, okay, if I ever have a daughter, I hope she doesn't have problems with her weight. I hope she doesn't struggle with her weight. I hope that's just not a problem for her. And it wasn't until the past couple years that I've realized the power to break that cycle and to make sure that we limit weight struggles, food struggles, eating struggles as much as possible that power is completely within you. And it has to do with your language around food, your behavior that you're modeling around food, and how you talk to your kids about food. It doesn't have so much to do with their metabolism or what kind of body type they're going to end up having. That is so much less important than their mentality around food, which is very much inherited or modeled after the parent's behavior. And it's not something that I ever even realized. I always thought, you know, I had a weight problem. And by the way, I don't think about this in terms of being a problem anymore. But at the time, you know, I thought I had a weight problem when I was younger. So if I ever have a daughter, I'm terrified that that's going to happen to her. But now I realize that it is completely within my power to ensure that if I do have a daughter, she'll have a healthy relationship with food or a son. You know, it goes both ways, definitely. But there is more pressure on women when it comes to these things. And uh, more women have eating disorders or report eating disorders than men do. Anyway, this conversation with my sister is about raising intuitive eaters or trying to based on the information that that you have and your limitations. I mean, there are so many limitations. Kids are very picky. And as a parent, you want to feed and nourish your child. But it's not always easy. And it's not always easy to make sure that they're eating things that you know will give them a lot of energy and help them grow while not demonizing other foods, not demonizing ice cream or cake or chicken fingers, whatever it is. It is so important to not create this narrative that these foods are bad and these foods are good because as we see time and time again, the second that you say a food is off the table or that it's not good or not good for you, that food is going to become 10 times more desirable to them. And that's just the way it goes. But that doesn't mean that you should then allow your kids to live off of a diet of just chocolate chip cookies and milk, there is definitely a balance. And we talk about that. I think this is a great conversation. I am 
going to do my very best to get an expert on in intuitive eating to talk about raising intuitive eaters. It's also something that I am personally so curious and passionate about. So I'm going to start working on that, hopefully for end of season two or season three. But until then, please enjoy this conversation with my lovely sister, Melissa, and definitely slide in my DMs if you have feedback, if there was anything that we didn't cover that you are curious about or more questions, because we can do a part two and address all of your questions and talk about other tricky topics that are not always the easiest to talk about because we don't know. Parents are making things up as they go and just like regular humans. So with all of that nuance in mind, my friends, here is my conversation this week with my sister, Melissa. Guys, I am back with returning guest. She was able to squeeze me into her schedule once again, and I am so psyched to have my older sister here with me. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back. Of course. Thanks for coming back on the show. Sorry, I hear your child screaming in the other room. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> it's fine. You know, these mics and this device is so flawless that it doesn't it doesn't pick up on ambient noise really that's lucky I'm gonna say that and then like I'm gonna listen back it's gonna be like (laughs) sometimes uh, my neighbor has a dog and it'll stand outside the apartment door and bark so that I let him in which is it's mostly my fault because I created I basically like encouraged his bad habit by letting him in and Sometimes giving him some human food. Yeah, I bet. And because he's so cute. Oh my God. He's and he's pretty cute. When he begs, too, it's like diabolical. Like mm-hmm. he's diabolically cute. Um, but anyway, so sometimes when I'm recording, you can hear, if you listen really closely, you can hear a very faint barking in the background. But you just, you, we make do with what we can, okay? These are COVID times. Everyone's home. Everyone's home. I don't have a studio anymore, okay? I'm not a rich bitch. I (laughs) can't afford my own studio and I don't have another studio, a shared studio like I used to. So this is what it is, folks. But just to refresh everyone's memory, you were on an episode from the first season and we talked a lot about pregnancy post-pregnancy the judgmental things that people say to you when you're pregnant people commenting on how you're carrying mythology as it pertains to pregnancy Mm -hmm. and just like all this messed up stuff that it feels like pregnant women just have to ignore Mm because like they you know you have to ignore everyone's comments because you know that they're well-meaning but they are really fucked up when we get down to it yeah I thought a great direction that we could go in would be to talk about raising kids, which I obviously know nothing about. You know way more than I do. But raising kids as intuitive eaters, hopefully raising kids to not have any bad feelings towards food or 
any uh, hangups about food? What do you say to them when they don't want to eat and so on? And I know from personal experience that this is very challenging because I've watched many kids and I babysat for like 15 years. Yeah. Especially young kids, four to six. That's like such a picky age. You have an almost six-year-old. Is it hard to get him to eat things that you don't want to eat? And at a certain point where you just like, okay, well, as long as he's eating something, I'm just going to give him what he wants. Or like, what was the progression of that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll say I don't think it's true that you don't know anything about parenting. I think you definitely know as much as I know at this point. My boys are lucky. I always say to have three moms, myself, our mom. And you. So. Yeah, she's not a lesbian in a polyamorous relationship. <laughs> when she says three moms, she means multi-generational. Yes, yes, care. And yeah, I'm but very that's not the same as that. being with them 24 hours a yeah. day. Yeah, no, no. And, I, and, and uh, I definitely feel so much responsibility to steer their life on the course that I think it should be going on and, and to create, you know, happy, healthy beings. That's really you know, when I think about what I hope they are in the future or I just really, and I really mean it, like I just want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. And um, so the the pressure of that definitely weighs heavy on me and every day I'm I'm trying to make choices um, to help that out. And, you know, then I go down the the path of thinking like, oh, well, you know, I, I could think I'm doing the best job I can. And then what's going to be the thing that they're going to tell their therapist when they're grown up oh, that I, I have did that, that thought all oh, the yeah. time. Of course, it's going to be something that I don't even realize I'm doing. But you know what I saw? This is like kind of a um, kind of unrelated. But on Mother's Day, I saw this Instagram post and like I don't get so into this woo woo like be your own inner child or like parenting yourself or like any of these like new age therapy things. I don't doubt that that is a real thing, but I'm kind of like, oh my God, that's so corny. Like I can't, I just have very little respect for it to be honest. But this therapist um, posted something on Mother's Day that was basically like, part of your responsibility as a parent is to own up to your mistakes. And when your child comes to you and says, Hey, this is a problem, or I don't think you treated me well in this arena and whatever you have to like acknowledge the things that you did. And it's also the child's role to forgive them the best that they can. Mm. I'm obviously like it was much more well said than what I just said, but that was the general idea was like, it's a two way street. Like, yes, parents need to acknowledge because parents are human. Everybody makes mistakes and you have to acknowledge that you're going to, you know, make some mistakes at some point, but then the child also needs to, at a certain point, like this is more for adult children, I think, but to be able to forgive their parent the best they can. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a mutual, a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. But all the patterns and the relationship pitfalls start now. So yeah, mm-hmm. when they're older, they're going to hopefully be able to express it, but all the dynamics 
that are created probably start now. They're such mama's boys, though. Yes. I can't imagine them saying a bad word. But, you know, it's like I said, you're, you, everybody probably does things that that they don't realize they're doing, you know, with Oliver, with my oldest you, you can already see it. There's a lot of pressure around mm-hmm. him, I, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, he's the oldest, and I feel a lot of times like the whole family's, you know, hopes and dreams are pinned on him. I can really... I mean, like, ever since he was four months old, people were like, oh, he's putting whole peas in his mouth. What a genius. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, that exactly. really is what it is. And then the time the second kid rolls around... The attitude is different. It's not like it's so different. It's not like we don't praise Hayden as well, but it there there's it does seem like there's already less pressure on him yes. even as a two year old. Yes, I agree. And I'm the eldest, so I can I can sympathize and I know um, how it can feel. And I I know I'm just doing it right over to Oliver, but um, it's hard not to. Yeah. Um, but because well, also you want to give them every opportunity yeah. that you can. Yeah, you, you do. Like when it comes to achieving or like getting into a good school, things like that. I understand where that comes from, especially where we live, where we live is really challenging in terms of, you know, where are you going to go to school? And like that really can make an impact positive or negative yeah. on your whole life yeah. it really can because it sets you on a track and either you're on a good track or a bad track and this is not like this is a problem with the um new york city public education system really um but yeah i yeah. don't know how i i don't know how i would deal with that or what what would be the right thing to do yeah yeah but when it comes to i i'm not sure i can't remember your questions now or where we started but um Raising intuitive eaters. Well, I'm glad I started learning about intuitive eating when I did because I, I guess Oliver was three. Very young. Yeah. And I think he was still young enough for my eyes to be opened and for um, it to be in time to make an impact. Um, I hope. Did you and- did you read anything? um specifically I know there's a chapter in intuitive eating about it but to be honest I didn't read it because I don't have kids yet but there I think there is a portion of that book that's devoted to children and and how to address certain food issues and stuff I believe so but did you read material about that yes I've tried to find everything I can because once I I do think there's a chapter on it once I read that and then once I started um you know, I would just devour you know, other intuitive eating podcasts before you started yours. Mm-hmm. Um, other intuitive eating podcasts, if they would have one or two episodes about related to parenting, um, I would just devour them and I would just wish there were more and I would yeah. want to seek out more information. So I would look to articles that those people wrote and... And what specifically did you learn that you then tried to implement? Yeah, well, I will say this about it. So just like the other principles, I think, you know, it takes practice. You know, you can read it once, read it twice, and then try to interpret it and put it into action in in your own life. And the way you implement it might 
feel to you a little different than how you read it or how it works for you might it might be hard to apply the way it works for you but I think that's even more so when you're trying to apply it to other human beings so Mm -hmm. like I could read these articles I could listen to these podcasts and I could cerebrally understand it understand what they were saying to do but then putting it into action is a whole nother story what's like an example of something right so um you know one thing that they say to do is um if your kids want cookies for dinner or they want cookies right before dinner it's like okay we're gonna have dinner and we're gonna serve um the hamburger right next to the broccoli and then the cookies right next to that and you'll see that your kids will take some hamburger take some broccoli and take Maybe they'll take some cookie, but they're not going to only go for the cookie and they're not going to eat all the cookies. They're going to eat some of everything. And I I totally believe that to be true. I believe that except for the broccoli part. Yeah, they don't love broccoli, but but they eat it. Um, But yeah, but they eat it with coaxing. And that's like that's my thing is like is coaxing a child to eat certain things. Is that bad? Because is that creating an idea that like, oh, I this is, you know, the thing that they want me to eat, but I don't really like it. Yes. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. It raises all sorts of second guessing and issues, you know, because when you've spent time and money, you know, getting nutritious and, you know, vitamin filled ingredients for your kids and making a meal, you want them to eat that meal, yeah. you know, and you don't necessarily want to serve the cookies at the same time. You want, you, I'm not going to deprive them of the cookies, um, but I really want them to eat that hamburger and the broccoli. I, you know, it's something I think about all the time. I was very surprised when I became a mom to discover how instinctive it is to want to feed your kids like the pleasure and the satisfaction you get from putting what you perceive to be nutrient rich and filling and you know quote-unquote good food into your kids or not even good food just the the feeding their hunger fulfilling their hunger making sure that they had enough yeah it's real it's real it's not just when they're on milk it's not just it's it lasts you know you want it feels good to feed them like that definitely every time I'm at her house she wants to feed me yes yes and I'm sure so many people can relate I mean that's such a big thing in so many cultures Mm -hmm. um but it is very real so um so yeah I I I do struggle with how to implement a lot of the things that I've learned or that I've heard but overall I really I really do try to live by it um you know when I found out I was having a boy and then I found out I was having another boy, you know, I was relieved to a certain extent because, you know, the perception is that mm, they won't be as hard in some ways. Um, raising boys, you won't deal with, 
the body image um, concerns. Which I think is true to a certain degree. I think it's true to a certain degree, but it doesn't take away the fact that this is something I think about a lot because the men in our family, they have body dysmorphia just as much as the women in our family. They have disordered eating just as much as the women in our family. Like I, I really have been as vocal as I've been comfortable being in, in telling people around us um, not to have negative self-talk in front of them, not Mm -hmm. to talk about diets in front of them. Um, So just because they're males, it, it doesn't mean that I I don't worry about it. I try to really check myself from any negative self talk um, in front of them, and also diet talk. But you know, people people I, I probably slip up, and other people around them definitely still do it. Yeah, and I can't you know, police them or say something every time. But I I do try to give gentle reminders from time to time. That's great. I. Yeah, you can't protect them from everything. Like, you can't protect them from the idiocy of other people. Or, you know what? That's insensitive. They're, people aren't idiots. They're just ignorant. It's ingrained. Yeah. It's so ingrained. Yeah. Um, You know, oh, I lost a little weight. Or, oh, I think I've gained weight. Or, I really got to get back on a diet. Or, it's all stuff that has is said in front of them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that my speaking up and everyone knowing that um, this is a goal of mine. I think it's curbed it somewhat for mm-hmm. sure. And I guess that's, that's the best I can ask for. But, um, yeah, this is like something that I go back and forth about because I hate the idea of, um, raising a child that is spoiled and that, you know, raising a kid who, thinks that if they don't want to eat what I put in front of them for dinner, then they can just demand whatever they want. And then I'm making a second dinner and, you know, being treated like a little prince for ever in every context and in every situation. I hate that idea. and I don't think it serves anybody that well in their life. But on the other hand, I'm kind of like, there's a big part of me that's like, yeah, if you don't want to eat that for dinner, like I shouldn't force have to force it down your throat. Like you can ask for something else. And I honestly don't know which way I would go. Yeah, it's very hard. It's it's very hard. Um so that's exactly it. Like um you know, you can't always say what do you want for dinner? Yeah. Because you might not have that in the fridge or they may have had it already two nights that week and you think they should have some variety. This is what I'm talking about. It is very hard to implement. What I would say is I think exposing them to a variety of foods early on is important. And then having a, a little bit of a wide repertoire of things you know they like. So so I am trying to serve things I know they like. Um and that they will eat. When they say they're full, I definitely don't make them eat oh, more. Yeah, you definitely don't. Um, yeah, that is not a good habit. I don't really remember anybody in our family doing that. But I did when I would go to friends' houses, you know, I would hear their parents sometimes be like, oh, well, you're that's just going to go to waste if you don't finish it. Or like, 
even if it wasn't even that much left on their plate, you know, and it it's just not a good mentality to get in. It's like, as soon as you're done, that's fine. You're done. Like we, we're not, we don't need to worry about wasting a little bit of food because we're not living in a thir- third world country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a very real thing. It, we didn't grow up with it, but I, I also have friends that, yeah, yeah I feel like I only witnessed it club. secondhand. Yeah. It, it's, it's a very real thing. And, um, so that's definitely something I have taken away from, you know, trying to educate myself on the topic. That's not a good thing. You sh- I, I definitely, when they say they're full, I let them be done. Um, but yeah, back to, you know, they say that they don't like broccoli. They don't want any more of it. If they say they don't want any more of it, oh, but I'm ready for dessert. Well, then I know you're not <laughs> full. I know you can eat some more. Right. Um, and, and you can still have dessert, just yes, also have some broccoli. Have five more bites of broccoli. Um and and I and I think that um that probably isn't technically, you know, correct in right. intuitive eating. So so it is something I struggle with. Um but I I do try to apply it in a lot of ways. For instance, like when they say they're hungry, um, they can definitely have something to eat. Um, when these boys are snackers, <laughs> they are snack attack fiends. Yeah, yeah, you think that, but I, I actually don't think they snack as much as some kids. Maybe they snack, you know, more than some and less than others. But, um, but okay, what if they want a snack and dinner is being served in a half hour? Oh my God. And if you, if you say that to Oliver, if you're like, yeah, but, but I'm making dinner for you. It's going to be ready so soon. He'll say, okay, can I just have an appetizer? (laughs) He does say that. Can I have an appetizer? And the appetizer is goldfish, you know? (laughs) That's pretty clever. He does say that. I, so that's where I struggle as well, because saying no dinner is in a half hour. That's, you know, curbing his intuitive eating right you know being his own intuitive eater but again you know we're gonna spend the time you know making him a dinner and you really want him to eat that so it's really hard to know what to do I think in general in that situation I say okay um or or maybe sometimes I try to give a part of dinner that is already ready or um sometimes I even say okay you would have fruit for dessert you want that dessert first ah yeah 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 yeah. and then have the dinner um I've tried a lot of different things like that yeah uh yeah I mean that's that's interesting because you're right when I think about like let's say dinner's in a half an hour and I'm hungry I could have like a few almonds or whatever. Yes. And I know that that's going to satiate me for the next half hour, but he's not going to eat that. No. He doesn't want almonds. Right. The goldfish that he's eating isn't really going to curb his appetite, really, because it doesn't have protein in it. Right, right. But there is also something to that mental validation of, like, you're hungry. Okay, I'm giving you a snack. It's fine. And and I'll never – I'll never – keep food from you I'll never restrict you right um it's a really hard balance I'll tell you something else that's so it's reminding me when you said protein I'll tell you something that's really interesting they definitely are 
he's in kindergarten, Oliver is, starting to teach, you know, like gent- gentle overall nutrition principles like they are yes in kindergarten yes and I don't do not think it's the food pyramid I think it's very like they've moved away from that I think Michelle Obama introduced the plate which I also don't really agree with but I don't see I haven't seen the plate and I don't know exactly what the lesson is but I know at some point this year Oliver started saying oh we yeah we learned um bread is grain carbohydrates um that there's protein that there's dairy Mm -hmm. and he started asking you know oh this what what category does this fall into so he's just generally aware of you know fruits vegetables dairy protein does he know that chicken is chicken that's a good question like that chicken is a chicken i think he does Okay. I, I I really try to avoid hammering it home. Yeah, but, but I never lie about it. I just I've wondered that before and I've never breached the topic. I can't even think of a specific example. Yeah, just like I know. even being in the supermarket or like being at a deli counter or something and and he'll he'll say, you know, what's that? And then I'll say it's chicken. But like clearly it's a <laughs> it's a bird. Kids, I think they they have a it sparks something where they know they know in the back of their brain but he'll say something like oh but it's the chicken that you eat right like uh, you know he wants to difference. separate it in his head like yeah. there are chickens out there roaming in a field and then there are the there's chicken that you eat the but unlucky chicken <laughs> he doesn't want to make that mental leap yeah um and I think that's really normal I think that I, I'm not a child psychologist, but I think I think that's what it is. It probably is normal. I don't remember ever making that connection or or that being like a big moment. Yeah. Or anything. But I remember the, the realization. Eventually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When, what what were the circumstances? I don't know. It it, it wasn't a, a big life moment or traumatic story, but I I do remember understanding at some point, yes. Huh. Interessant. <laughs> um, another thing is you keep like a, a big, a pretty big like variety of foods for the kids in the house. Like, you know, they're kids. They like to eat kid food. Kid food is like chicken fingers and pizza and um, what else? They eat like these little sausages. Oh, like, yeah. These little chicken those. sausages. Mm-hmm. Um, mac and cheese, like stuff like that. And you always have it available to them. But then like, how do you decide whether to give them a home cooked meal or a frozen meal? Like, does it mostly have to do with what you have time for? Yes. Yeah. Like what you have time to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, mom is usually preparing them dinner on the weeknights. So yeah, I would say, the weeknights are she definitely makes them fish sometimes she definitely makes them stir fry with steak and vegetables sometimes burgers sometimes yeah burgers sometimes but then sometimes it's definitely you know definitely frozen you know definitely chicken fingers or hot dogs on the weekends we try to do family mm-hmm. home cooked dinners we try to um well that's nice 
because you know it's nice to have a home cooked meal but also just the family time is good the family time and also to keep what i've seen is you know for instance if we go to a family party or to spend a weekend with family and we're all gonna have um home cooked meals that are a little more elaborate yeah they really enjoy it they really do have wider palates than what we're feeding them on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and I do feel bad about that because I do feel like if we don't keep up that exposure to a wider variety of things they are going to start to limit their their likes down to you know a little more what they're bland, having more ki- often quote-unquote kid food yeah 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 but they really do like um even a little more exotic things um, and tastes. So the the more we can keep that up, I think the better. Yeah. Do you um do you come into contact with other parents? I kind of know the answer to this question. <laughs> Actually, I just thought of this because you were telling me that you went to a kid's birthday party and you heard one of the other kids' dads say some like really problematic stuff to his daughter. And how, I don't remember what exactly he said to her. What, she had like jerky to eat and he wouldn't let her eat pizza at the party? Something like that, yeah. Pizza or cake um, was off limits. Yeah. And I just, I felt so terrible. And it was definitely for health reasons and he definitely said do you want to get fat yeah like he said that that's for fat people oh like, that's what he said that's for fat pointing people. to a, a like a party snack that was available yeah that's heartbreaking yeah do you come into contact with that type no. of thing a lot no definitely not but you know parents parents are trying to do their best but they definitely pass on whatever their beliefs are at that time right so mm-hmm. If they're big on vegan or organic or no, this is bad or we should be gluten free or, you know, you, you do see that a lot. Raising a vegan child <sighs> is actually insane to me. Like talk about an inconvenient lifestyle to be passing on to your child. Yeah, I just think that, you know, a lot of people, none of us know and people are, are trying to, to do their best best for their kids and whatever they believe is the best but I believe that you you shouldn't pass on you should let them grow up a bit and then make their own decisions yeah on those especially when it comes to things that for ethical reasons like that I mean people have different reasons for being vegetarian or vegan but to not have any meat in your house, not have any cheese in your house or any animal products, I feel like sends that message and they can't make that decision for themselves. Yeah. But then again, if they're, you know, totally disgusted by meat or not going to cook with it, not going to, how are they going to prepare it for their kids? So yeah, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. That's a fair point. I used to be a vegetarian and when I broke my vegetarianism and then I started to cook more with meat this was when I was at school and I would get chicken breasts and have to cut the chicken and like cut into a blood vessel it was the most disgusting thing to me and it still is pretty disgusting objectively but like 
you got to do what you got to do. You got to go through the trenches to yeah. get that protein, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So Oliver's starting to learn about, you know, different food groups, I guess I would say. And he will say certain things like, does this have protein in it? Oh, so is so this is healthy? So this is good for you? So if it has protein in it, then he he will say that's healthy? Well, maybe I started it because um because I started this thing where I I don't say, you know, have this because it's good for you. Right. I say have this because it will give you good energy. Yeah. Um it's just something I made up. I I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I try to um I try to put that slant on everything. So in the morning I say, you know, if he says, um, I want pancakes, we let him have pancakes all def- definitely on once a weekend. And But I'll, I'll say something like, when he only has pancakes, he ends up being fine for a while and then crashing a few hours later, having a temper tantrum. I'm the same way when I only, I need protein in the I morning. I can't eat. Yeah. yeah. I, well, that's the thing. It's, it's. That's why it's so difficult because it's like you're passing on genuine wisdom that you've learned from being in the world. Yeah. But it's that's your intuition. That's not their intuition. And so that's when it starts to get confusing. Like, what is the correct exactly. thing to do? But like as a parent, you're supposed to pass on your wisdom. And yeah. and I'm the same way, like eating a, a, a pancake with syrup on it, like I'm going to be so starving in two hours or less. Yes. Yes. So I try to um, just be aware of it. I try to, I try to, you know, two hours later say, oh, do you want some carrots with peanut butter or something that I just know is, is going to, again, give him that good energy and, and prevent that crash. So, so he is, he's mindful of that. And he'll say now sometimes, you know, does this breakfast have protein? in it um Mm -hmm. and and I think that's I think that's okay but when he when he asks me is this good for you or is that good for you which he does ask he's asked me that yeah I say everything is good for you it just depends on the amounts that you have it and when you have it and what your body needs Mm -hmm. at that time Mm -hmm. and I believe that for myself and there, there's nothing that I ever say is off limits. There's nothing he can't have. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think like what situations he said that to me and what I said. I think I say something similar. I think I say, yeah, you know, it's it's good for you because it gives you energy and it's what you're craving. You know, it's I don't think I ever answer that question in a problematic way. But now I'm like now I'm trying to think like how I've answered that question before. And sometimes they ask you questions out of the blue and you just don't have time to think about it. And you're not prepared. That's, I think, the hardest part. Yeah. Of parenting. There are a lot of topics I try to prepare myself for, um, like where do babies come from or something like that. And then by the time they ask it, you've forgotten what you're supposed to say. You're off your guard. I literally say, you know what? 
let me look up how to explain that to you and I'll get back to you. Oh, that's good. I do, I do that because um because I know there's a right way and a wrong way and I and and these conversations are so important. I don't want to mess it up, but um but the food thing is every day. It's regular enough where I feel confident. Um yeah, in addressing it. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the pancakes thing and I'm thinking like this would be worth looking into. If it's better to just let him have pancakes and like maybe add something with protein on the side. Yes. Yeah. Than to suggest something entirely different just to add or I'm I don't know if this is like. I don't know if children can have protein powder, like even putting protein powder in the pancakes. That's a really good idea. Like, yeah. I mean, you would have to see if it, he has, he would taste incredible taste buds. And like, if there's even a slight aftertaste, I feel like he would notice, but you know, adding sausage or bacon or some, like something, even like a couple of slices of um, turkey or something. You know? Yes, I I have done that before. I definitely do that. Um, I think it's I think it's a good method. I I think I started doing it after there was definitely one day where he crashed and got into the worst mood mm-hmm. and was crying and was hard to get out of it. And I really, which he doesn't often do. And I realized like this is what happens to me when I when my energy crashes. Yeah. Um, or well, blood he's a chip sugar. Off the old block. Yeah, yeah. So I really try to be aware. But it's funny. There was so when I was first <laughs> learning about intuitive eating, there was one morning where he asked me for ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> and haven't we all? Yeah. For some reason mom was here. I can't remember what the circumstance was, but I gave it to him and Mom was horrified. I'm sure she was. And she, she, what are you going to do? Give him ice cream every day? And and she, you know, she did say, which is something we we're just talking about. You know, she just said, I know how I feel when I don't have, you know, when I have that kind of sugar or something in the morning, then I crash and I'm not full. And I, I said, you know, it's early enough. There's more time before school where he can have something else. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to give him an ice cream cone and then in a little while I'm going to have him eat something else and I bet you it's going to be okay. And guess what? He never asked for ice cream for breakfast again. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. People, listen up. Take this as a lesson. You can eat ice cream for breakfast. (laughs) Um, No, that's, you want to know what's funny about that to me is like her idea, like Mom doesn't have any understanding of nutrition. Like, she has very little understanding of nutrition. And it's like, she wouldn't eat an ice cream for breakfast. But she eats muffins, like well, chocolate chip yeah. muffins. And I would, too. I love muffins. I, I, But I thought about that. And that's logical to me. Like, what really is the difference between ice cream and a muffin? Mm-hmm. Which is, they're just different levels of socially acceptable for exactly, breakfast but they exactly. but essentially right or or you know i eat croissants and stuff right sometimes and like what what really is the difference in that it's not really giving you that much nutrition right it's 
there's nothing wrong with eating it. I'm just saying like for breakfast that that's another thing where like uh, it wouldn't keep me full for very long. Yeah. Which is also okay. Like as an yeah, adult, that's okay. You like you can else. eat whenever you want. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's, we just have like preconceived notions, including our mom. Like mom's not the only one who mm-hmm. has this, but it's, it's the, somebody eating an ice cream cone for breakfast, you would look at them sideways somebody eating a muffin for breakfast you wouldn't even blink an eye no no but the truth is you know adults let's say you have a muffin um for breakfast and then you are quickly hungry again you can eat again whereas your kid is now going off to school and is not gonna have lunch until lunchtime so you you do you know you want them to guide themselves but then you also do have a responsibility to set them up Mm -hmm. for a good day and set them up with something that's going to keep them full through getting to school having a bunch of classes before they have only very little time to eat lunch I think you know 20 minutes that's crazy yeah you can't eat that much as a kid also and you're chatting and you're talking and then they're off to recess and running it off so um you do have also a level of responsibility there. So that's, again, back to um, struggling with how to apply all of this. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, my God, he's screaming his little head off. Um, we got to wrap up the show, but I, I'm just thinking to myself now that I need to get, like, some kind of expert on to talk about. Because there's so many mm-hmm. tricky things when it comes to kids and food and And just, like, wanting to have a better understanding about that before I have kids of my own. Because I don't want to fuck them up the way that I was. So, thank you for coming on, having this discussion with me, opening up the conversation. And um, people... Don't follow my sister on social media. She's a private person. But (laughs) get at me and tell me what you thought of this conversation. If there's anything that you thought we should talk about that we didn't get to or just additional questions that you have or if it resonated with you at all, definitely get at me because I have unlimited access to my sister and I can have her back on this show pretty much whenever. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I love you. I love doing this. Thank you. And I'm back. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with my older sister, Melissa. Please slide into my DMs. I am Lubination on Instagram. That's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. Or you can slide into R.I.P. Diets DMs. That is the Instagram for the podcast. You can also email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. And if you want even more content and a little more of an intimate look into my recovery and different topics that come up in the process, go to patreon.com slash RIP diets. You can access bonus episodes, videos, vlogs. Just think of me as your best friend who has already gone through this process, guiding you through the process, being a pillar of support for you. That is my ultimate goal in this entire project, in this community. I'm so happy that we're building the community. Have a fabulous week. I'll see you next week. Peace, love, RIP diets, over and out. (laughs) 